Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live. We air this and every Saturday at this time having conversations about, well, kind of the the journey we're in in life. Sometimes opportunities of challenge, sometimes wonderful paths forward as well. And a lot of times we talk about mission, engaging culture, and sometimes we talk about issues of well, creating culture and engaging the tough times we're in and more. And so that's going to be a part of our conversation today. We're very excited about, uh, about engaging in this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Our guest is uh, Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson is his name. He's a touring painter and performance artist. And I think, I think probably the first touring painter and performance artist we've had on the program. He's the author of Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. That's what we're going to talk about uh, today. We actually have some copies of the book we're going to give away to amazing, insightful callers with comments or questions. Uh, Scott calls himself a professional dishwasher for his food blogging wife, and he lives in Austin, Texas, which used to be the coolest city in America until it became Nashville. But nevertheless, Austin's a pretty cool city, and he's there with his wife and three children. Thanks for joining us on the program, Scott. Yeah, I'm glad I missed it. I'm glad I missed the coolest city in the world. And now I'm just Yeah, it was. I mean, second. it was, you know, keep keep Austin weird, but you know, it's Nashville now because you know, I, I I when I was there, when I lived in Nashville, it became the it city and I had to move away to Chicago. So, but yeah. I still think Austin's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I, I definitely when we moved here, I was like, yeah, we missed the golden era. But it's uh, you know, every city's always changing. When we say golden era, we meant like I knew how to navigate it. But everything's always evolving, and so you have to adapt to what's changing. Yeah, things yep, go away, it. things come anew. But um, I'm yep. glad to be here. Well, glad to do it. So we're gonna uh, jump into our conversation. You're, uh, we're gonna talk about your book, "Say Yes: Discovering mm-hmm. the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream." So just to kind of get started with that, that's a kind of a very particular title. I mean, obviously, there's a message in the title <laughs> itself. So tell us the story of of the book, of of why that became important to you. Lay it out for us. Yeah, uh, a few years ago, when, around the time that I was about to turn forty, which I know is a number created by astronomy, but it just it means something. I, this particular conversation was particular to me, and if you've gone through that threshold, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But like, I think what happened to me is that. I was putting my kids to bed one night and I walked out of their bedroom and I noticed I was crying, not because we had had any particular uh, magical bedtime story time, but something was happening to me. And I, I tried to stop crying and I couldn't stop. And I ended up in my bathroom, our only bathroom in the house, just like crying on the toilet for a long time. And I realized from some time from that moment that what was happening to me is that like a dream was dying, that there had been some kind of dream that I had had for a long time. And somehow physiologically and psychologically, my body was letting me know that it wasn't going to come true. And I was grieving the loss of that dream. And, and, uh, you know, when we talk about dreams, a dream could be a lot of different things, right? A dream can be uh, some kind of object or thing, or like a house on a street of dreams, or like a vacation or scenario. But I actually think that when we talk about a dream, what we're talking about isn't necessarily the object, the thing, the place to be. It is we want to be the kind of person who has that object, has that thing. We, we imagine a scenario where it feels a lot different than we feel now. Uh, we imagine a scenario where we feel like we have a purpose or we're going somewhere or we have something that like uh, some kind of like all the all of the things that are in our life are in attunement. We want to be somebody who's tuned in. Right. And um I started understanding like I want there was actually I started figuring out who I wanted to be in the world and I felt pretty far from that. And the decision that I was asked then was uh, 
what are you going to do about it? And I decided, I was like, I want to head that direction. And immediately I was confronted by these inner arguments. I call it the voice of giving up. And I had to develop these kind of personal, I call them mental health and spiritual practices, which I don't think are too different, actually. And um, I had to develop these kind of counter arguments to these deep narratives and these arguments within me to do that. And as I developed that, I, I found they really worked. And um, so then I started talking about it. So it's it's interesting. Where did this where did this all come from? It started as like a life practice, and then it started as a t- and then it transformed into a talk, and then I made a like a show out of it. And I've been touring that show, and then somebody from a publishing house saw it and was like, "Let's make it a book." And so that's kind of where this all came from. Is and in you know in the particular of my life, I stumbled upon the universal, which is what do we do with the voice of giving up in our lives? What do we do with this spectrum of giving up? On that spectrum is, yes, suicide, which is a topic that maybe we'll touch on today. Um, I have had my own bouts of suicidal ideation. I recently had a friend take their own life. Uh, If those of you who are listening, probably if it's not so close, at least you're adjacent to something where somebody decided, I don't want to be here anymore. But also on that spectrum of suicide, if we go to the other side, you can binge watch TV every night because you just don't want to have the conversation you know, you need to have, you can open a bottle or tap your phone endlessly to numb the pain that keeps calling you name, your, your name day after day after day. And, and I, I, we all have this, like, you, you can die and still be alive. You can give up on your life and still be alive. And um, I think there are deeply uh, layered conversations, spiritual conversations about that. Um, you know, and, and in my kind of developing these practices and stuff, there's like the surface one, which was, I remember my therapist that I was working with, she was like, you need to start like an exercise routine that really helps with your psyche and your, and your, and your mindset and stuff. And so I started running, but I remember on one of those runs, I was like, whoa, why am I running anyways? Like I was bumping up, like, what is the purpose of staying alive? You know, like, uh, I was bumping up against these, uh, existential questions. And so, um, I think there's these layers of like, Sure, we need some, we need like good mental health practices, but we also have these deeply spiritual conversations. I like to sum it up. I say it in the book, which is like, we all understand that life is a miracle. I mean, there's science for that. It took, it took a really long time and incalculable odds for all of us to be here. We understand that life is a miracle, but how come the miracle really sucks sometimes? And if there's a giver of that miracle, does it have anything to say about the suckiness? I guess that's what I want to know. And, uh, and, uh, and so this book is kind of like about these conversations, about these layered conversations, about what are practical steps to kind of pursue where you want to go. What's the deeper conversation about who you are and where your identity comes from? And do you think that the giver of your existence has bailed on your life or is maybe working in ways you didn't expect? Maybe the death of a dream isn't the end of your story, but maybe it's the start of the chapter that is unexpected, that's unforeseen, that's surprising. And uh, that's what I'm submitting in the talk, in the experience, and then even, and now in the book. And the, and the come back to the voice of giving up because I think that's something mm-hmm. that you talk a lot about um, and how it relates anxiety, depression, and more. So talk to me about that. Yeah, well, I we all have. I think we all have uh, some kind of voice. I don't know. I'm not in any of your heads, and if I was, that would be pretty shocking, I guess. Uh, but like, yeah, we all have some kind of 
narratives that we are working on at all times. So we know, look, I'm not a therapist, but I go to therapy and I've, and I have lots of friends who are therapists and I've worked all this out, but like our, we have a baseline narrative that's always happening in us, which is, am I safe or not in this situation? Right now, our five senses are taking in way more information than we could ever hope to imagine. And what our brains are doing is they're synthesizing all of that to, am I safe or not? It's a, it's a narrative that's happening most of the time you're unaware of it because you feel safe. But when you don't feel safe, you're like, I, you know, your, your, your senses are heightened, you're aware, you're paying attention. That's happening all the time. We also have these narratives that are happening all the time, and they're a little bit more tricky. They sound like this. They say, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of doing, and this is how my life is going to turn out. And those narratives are working all the time, too, and they developed in us when we were kids by how adults and our parents treated and, and talked to us, and they're ha working all the time, too. Most of the destructive or harmful narratives that you find yourself bumping up against came from your experience as a young person by how adults treated you about how you learn to survive and navigate social settings. And so often when we're bumping up against these like unhelpful narratives, like nothing's going to change. That's one of like, that's one of a, the most uh, depression inducing narrative that I confronted. Nothing's going to change this miserable day, this miserable moment, this miserable spot you're in. This is what the rest of your life is going to be like. It's never going to get better. It's always going to be this way. Nothing's ever going to change. That's a narrative about your life. That's a narrative like you entered into a cul-de-sac of death and you can't get out of it. You know, that's, it's, so where did that narrative come from? Well, that is a journey for each one of us to figure out. I like to use, I use it in the book. I use, I like to use it as the metaphor of like any kind of like haunted house movie you've ever seen. What is, what is a haunted house movie? A haunted house movie is like some family or couple or person moves into a house and then some unforeseen presence starts throwing their china on the ground and bumping and making noises in the night and jiggling doorknobs. And the movie, the story is the person has to figure out where is this haunting come from? What happened in the past that created this like bad spirit that now is like, uh, terrorizing this family in this house. And the only way to deal with that is to basically heal or solve the problem of that. I think it's very similar to the narratives we find ourselves in. It's like, where did this come from? Where did I pick this up? Is there any truth to this? Because um, sometimes our narratives sound really legit, you know, like they can, they, they can build an argument. I remember one time in my, my career, I was working on a creative project and I couldn't solve it. And I I got to this, I was by myself too. And I just, I remember whispering out loud. I was just like, oh, I'm never going to be a great artist. <laughs> and I caught myself. I said, what did I just say to myself? I said this to myself. I'm never going to be a great artist. Well, where did that narrative come from? Because I just made a prediction about my life. And I, when I looked back in it, I was like, there's some things that can uh, build that. Like I'm, I'm not formally trained as an artist. I, I never have won any awards as an artist. I don't, I haven't made like gobs and gobs of money. These are all things we equate with success. And so somehow internally, I started developing this narrative that said, I'm never going to be great, whatever that means to me. And so I knew I needed to change that. I needed to develop like a counter argument or a pivot or a practice. And so what I, what I started saying, I was like, I'll just change it. 
you know, I didn't need to become like overly arrogant. Like I'm going to become the greatest artist ever. Like we have Kanye West for that. But like, I just said, why don't I just say I'm on my way to being a great artist. I'm on my way. I'm I'm on my way means if I fail at something, it's not evidence to the argument that I'm a failure. It just means I'm learning as I go. This is one part of a longer story. See, nothing's going to change is like summarizing the story of your life. I'm on my way means, oh, this is just one chapter. This is just one like moment. It will change. Everything's always changing. Um, But I'm on my way. And that helps me see myself in a different trajectory of where I think my life's going. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? It does. It does. I think for a lot of people, um, self-talk is a key issue. And I want to come back to that in continue yeah. our conversation in just a moment. And I want to invite your calls as well. 877-548-3675 is our number. Again, it's uh, 877-548-3675. We're having a conversation with Scott Erickson. From his book, Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of the Dream. 877-548-3675. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back on Ed Stetzer. This is Ed Stetzer Live. Um, I have the privilege of serving at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. We're on the executive director there and a dean and professor at Wheaton College. And on Saturdays, I have the privilege of being your host here on Ed Stetzer Live. And today we're talking to Scott Erickson. Scott's book is Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. Uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the ideas of self-talk, um, Scott particularly deals with the idea of, um, of kind of the, the, the way we have this voice of giving up. We don't think that maybe we're, as you mentioned, Scott, the idea of being a, a great artist. I, I know, we often joke at Wheaton College among the faculty, that everyone here has the imposter syndrome. Everybody is like, I don't know that I should be here. I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a professor at a leading evangelical school. So, um, so it seems that all of us have this reflective conversation inside of ourselves that um, can make paths challenging forward or, or maybe help us to make wise steps more. Tell us more about how you address some of that in, again, the book to everyone recalls is Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. Before you do, let me remind everyone our number to call is 877-548-3675. Oh, Yeah. Imposter syndrome, that's a great place to start. Um, there's, there's a lot, people have written a lot about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, actually, like the one of the main ingredients, there's a few other things about like where you came from and all that kind of stuff, but like the main ingredient is bumping up against your idea of perfectionism. That's where imposter syndrome comes. You have this idea of how you're supposed to do it perfectly. And in your life, you're not doing that. And so you have these uncomfortable feelings of that. Like, I think that imposter syndrome is just being uh, uncomfortable with the feelings that come with entering into a place. Um, Like, I think, because we assume that 
maybe I wouldn't feel this way. If I was supposed to be here, I wouldn't feel this way. But actually, if you look, and I have a bunch of quotes in my book of like celebrities and really successful people who are just like, uh, I'm at the height of my career and I don't feel like I should be here. I feel like every moment I should be found out as a, as a fraud. Um, and that is just because like, there is this, uh, for one, I think it's just like, if I was perfect, then I, maybe I would feel secure. And, and here's where I think a deeper conversation, and I see this tying into spirituality. I'm a trained spiritual director and, um, and also just a pilgrim on the road of Christ and life. And um, what I discovered it, through kind of working through this content uh, and, and this process was just that what a dream is, which you could say a dream of who you thought you'd be, or you hope you'd be in your job or, or your life and stuff is a version of yourself without any weaknesses. When we've all imagined a dream scenario, a dream person we would like to be or a life we'd like to have, we never imagine the weaknesses or limitations that come with being there. When we've thought about crossing the finish line of a marathon, we've never really imagined that it might take nine months of physical therapy to work on our knees because now we're in our 40s and they don't work anymore. <laughs> or when we imagine a dream job or business or career, we never imagine, say you want to start like a dream a business of some kind. You never imagine the maybe possible awkward relationship you would have with the investor who fronted the capital to make that happen. Like always reality comes with some kind of weaknesses or limitations. We call that vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities, vulnerability is not necessarily your weaknesses or your limitations. It's your relationship with those. How do you feel about having weaknesses and limitations? Do you see them as the thing that dismisses you from participation? And I actually think that the move, when we look at Jesus, we see this. I think the move is to understand that your vulnerabilities become the avenue for participation. They are the ways that you connect with yourself and others, and especially God. Like our goal of our lives, our spiritual lives, is not to become perfect people. The goal of our spiritual journeys is to become whole people. I mean, Jesus even addresses it. He says, there's this one guy who comes and he's there and he's like, I'm so glad I'm not like any of these sinners. And I don't, you know, and, and then there's this other person who's like, I'm just have mercy on me. And often we can add our own shame narratives to the person who's saying, I don't have, I have mercy on me. But what that person's saying is like, I need grace. I know I'm only connected to God because of grace. Whereas the other one who apparently has become perfect doesn't need God anymore. That, that one is saying, that's just another form of atheism. You can say, I don't believe in God, or there's another form of atheism, which is, I don't need God anymore. Mm -hmm. And tragically, like a lot of times our spiritual, we think our spiritual quest has become the perfect version of ourselves. And I just don't think that's true. There's no fruit to, there's, there's no good fruit from that. Like, show me the good fruit right. of that, and then maybe I'll listen to that argument. But I haven't seen it. Right. Makes sense. You know, the Bible... Um... Bible writers often speak of weakness. You know, we think of Second Corinthians twelve nine: "My grace is sufficient for you, mm -hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness." Uh, therefore, I'll boast more gladly in my weakness. Paul writes, "So the power of Christ mm -hmm. may rest upon me." But uh, I really was—I mean, the, the, your phrase that you know our vision, our idealized version, is just us—you know—being without our weaknesses. Yet our weaknesses are central to who we are. Our, our pain central to who we are. So how yeah. do we um, acknowledge, walk with that? Um, rather than make it our desire and path to to live that idealized version that doesn't have any of the struggles and weaknesses. How do we do that? 
Yeah. Um, I think we have, <laughs> this is a great question. And this is why you got a show. This is a great question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, for... Maybe I just, I just ask questions that I want to know. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like it's a skill. It's like, I, how do you do that? I struggle with that. So let's ask Scott, how do you do that? Yeah. This is not in this book. I have a couple books I did with my friend, Justin McRoberts about prayer. And when I was doing those, uh, I, I thought it was really interesting that Jesus said, before he gives the Lord's prayer, he says, your father in heaven knows everything you need before you ask. So then, so then he's like, so then when you pray, pray this. And what, what I think he was doing, or what would the invitation for me was to go, then the Lord's prayer is not necessarily a list, a checklist to check off. It's like a, it's a reality to live into. And I spent for a good time in my life, I said, okay, if you already know, what do we talk about? So I would wake up early in the morning. I have young kids. So you have to wake up really early to get any kind of silence. And I would make a cup of coffee and I'd sit in my living room in the dark. And I would just go, you already know. You already know. What do you want to talk about? And sometimes I needed to practice the you already know. Because like I didn't know that he already knew. <laughs> you know, So I would mm, be like, sure. I know you already know, but I just need to run through it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month. Or I, you know, I, how's that job going to work out? Or I'm really scared. But, you know, I had to work through that. But then there was also these things, not just the checklist of like, can I survive? There would also be in that silence and in that presence of you already know, I would have to deal with the things that I felt shame about. You know, my sins, my shortcomings, those kinds of things. And in that, you already know, I experienced the grace of Christ. I experienced the grace of God. And so, the, and, and I, I would say, like what I was doing is I was practicing the be not afraid. That all these encounters that people have had with the divine, one of the first things that's uh, said is, but don't be afraid. Like you think that maybe you need to be afraid because I'm coming to judge you or you're coming, the light is going to shine and then I'll reject you. Don't be afraid. I'm not, I'm not here for that. And I start, so I had to start with that grace was the main avenue, that was the avenue of connection with God. And then, so when I, so as I practiced that, be not afraid, I could start bringing my weaknesses, my shortcomings, my sins, my bad habits, however you want to label it. And then I could see, are these dismissing me from a life or where do these come from? You know, I, I know when we get into like sins, it's a complex word and there's lots of things, you know, there can be bad and destructive habits. And uh, I just had a conversation yesterday with uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who's a tremendous psychologist and has some great books. I like soul of shame, anatomy of the soul, soul of desire. And he's got some really good stuff on that. Like where does, the, what is the deep cause of these things that we're doing? Especially now in a real terrible time, how many of us like just poured a few more whiskeys than we needed to or like bought a lot more stuff online than we needed to? You know, how are we dealing with the pain or frustration we find ourselves in? So we, you know, but because does that dismiss us from knowing God or is that like the place that God wants to meet us? And so we start with mm -hmm. that. And then I think as we know that grace is the underlying uh, the presence with us throughout our journey then do we go, well, how could these places, instead of becoming, instead of, I think they're places of where I'm dismissed from participation, maybe they become the ways I'm able to connect with others. Like if you get in a room with somebody and you start like, what are your accomplishments? What are your accomplishments? You know, it only goes so far, but the moment somebody goes, man, this thing happened to me like a couple weeks ago, it was really hard. And I'm, I'm not sure how to recover from it. I'm really dealing with it. 
then the everybody's like yeah me too that happened to me too like the place we connect is like how are you dealing with being a human <laughs> and and then right. that i think becomes the place that a divine conversation happens in there yeah. i um so i could keep going I, I don't know if you want to but add something there but then why don't you add something? Because I was going to talk about how our vulnerabilities <laughs> become then the way that we, no, then I, I, we offer you keep, a unique keep participation. Going. We're going fine. Okay. Yeah, we're going fine. Let me just mention, let me mention to folks that in uh, the bottom of the hour, we'll go to your calls and our number is 877-548-3675. Uh, so about, about a minute more, uh, Scott, kind of share with us about vulnerabilities and then we'll come back on the other side. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably have some, I've been meditating on this and I'll have some content <laughs> in a few years on this, but I've been going through the gospels and just looking at all the places that, People connect with Jesus through their vulnerabilities and how that has become. Nicodemus comes to him late at night, you know, and Jesus is just like, you're the teacher of the land. And he's, and yet are the places we're connecting is the, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. You know, I think the places that are, are vulnerabilities, they allow us to uh, disregard this idea of a per perfect version of ourselves and allow us to be inquisitive, humble. And then we have to offer that, to the participation of life. And so um, I think creatively, you know, what, what every artist, let me just talk about being an artist. What every artist uh, understands is that actually your limitations become the way that you have a unique voice in the world. Uh, somebody like there's this great YouTuber, his name's Casey Neistat makes videos. Oh, music's coming. Anyways, he uses his lack of technical skill <laughs> to make really analog stuff and it's beautiful and great. So. We can talk about that after this I, break. I love your announcement that the music's coming. Yes, it is. And the bottom of the hour is a hard break. So 877-548-3675 is our number. We're going to come back and just stay with us. We're going to take your calls and having this encouraging conversation here. And we'll continue it in just a moment with your calls. Thanks. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. And of course, I'm at Stetzer. Our guest is Scott Erickson. And Scott heard the music play, I think, in all the time that I've been a radio host. No one has actually acknowledged the music. Usually they ignore the music. And then I'm the guy saying, hey, oh, we got to take a break. But anyway, uh, so Scott, you did, but you, you kind of had to truncate your thoughts. So come back to where you were and just pick that up. And then we'll take calls in just a minute. Yeah, I was just finishing an idea of like vulnerability as connection that the, 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 the place that you have weaknesses and limitations, it's not the thing that's dismissing you. You need to see it as the way to where you can be, you can offer a unique contribution. So I was mentioning this guy, YouTube, Casey Neistat. If, I don't expect all of you to know it, but he had a dramatic effect on how a lot of YouTube is done now, but he doesn't know any like technical programs. And so his videos are very like analog. They're all like cutting and pasting and handwriting and stuff like that, which gives it a lot of charm. You know, it's the, it's the mother who's overwhelmed with five kids who decides to get up early and blog about her life that turns out to be an inspiration to so many other mothers and parents who find themselves in the same situation. It's the person who has like a, a mental illness or some kind of physical ailment um, who then turn, uh, I'm thinking of my friends like Jay and Catherine Wolf, you know, Catherine went through this awful stroke and and uh, they've kept their marriage together and they've and it was unforeseen. They would have never chosen it. But it turns out they use that to then create these communities of families who have somebody who's disabled. Um, and then they talk about like what what is going to keep a marriage going? And they're a tremendous gift, but it's from their pain, that vulnerable place and stuff. So like the journey is to go like is in to go like what is 
preventing me from being a participant, a contributor, but to go, can I unique, how can I uniquely contribute because I'm aware of this about myself? What kind of perspective insight does that give? And I think that's the real work. Yeah, that's the surprising yeah. life on the other side of the death is, is the, I'm giving it all away, Ed. It's, <laughs> that's the big thing. It's like, you're not well, that's what perfect. we want. We want you to come on the show and tell us the book. But then people still, again, the book, when he's giving it away, the book we're talking about is Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. So keep going. Give a little more. Tell us a little more. Yeah. Well, the book is, has a lot of illustrations because I think pictures really help us. So that I think that's right, something you can well. this radio yep. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um no, that's the big thing is like, look, some, at some moment in your life, what you imagine, that dream about how your life, how you were going to turn out, isn't going to happen. And in that, I think it's like, well, am I done? Has God left me? Is God still involved with my life? What could be happening? And I submit that actually this is part of the giver of your existence uh, journey with you is to go, now you know you're more in touch with your vulnerabilities and weakness. Use this as uh as a way to contribute to the world jesus after he resurrects he comes to his disciples shows them his scars and says just as the father sent me so i'm sending you and i know that can be mean a lot of different things but henry nowen writes about it where he says like you know he shows these wounds we all have these wounds and how do we then become people who are in touch with those we've become wounded healers it's the it's the place that you've been wounded or hurt or you find your vulnerabilities is surprisingly the way that you bring light to the world if you allow that work to happen. And I think that is the divine, you know, Jesus, spirit, God, all the things happening is through that. Um, and that, mm -hmm. what I submit, is the journey you're on. Okay. We, um, I keep saying I'm going to calls. I'm going to in just a moment. 877-548-3675. I just got questions I want to get through. Because right now the book is, um, the book is like people can order it now and it's showing up at their houses, but it's official yeah. release date is January 25th. So just uh, three Tuesday. days from now. Yeah. Yep. Tuesday, but it is actually already the number one new release on Amazon in Christian death and grief. We have not used the word grief, I think, so far in our conversation. So uh, death and grief fitting into this conversation. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we live in a oh man. We live in a culture that is really uncomfortable with death, and as rightly so, it's not something you should be comfortable with. But like, sure, sure. it is. It is a part of life. Um, I have found that in my where I'm at now, actually, the thing that helps me live the best is having a conversation with my eventual disappearance. That's a line from a poet Dave, named David White. Like, I'm going to disappear one day from my family, from society, from this. I will just, like, no longer be here. And how can that inform how I am here now? Um, there's this, it, this came out of uh, over 10 years ago, but this hospice care worker, Bronnie Ware, wrote this blog post called The Five Regrets of the Dying. It became very big and viral. It became a book. I it's remember great. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And I, I'm like, why, why are we po posting this on billboards? Because... Um, like what she because she says, she's like, actually, people have the same regrets. Like there's not this myriad of regrets. It's kind of the same thing over and over again. And she kind of lists the five top ones. And the number one one was, um, I wish I was true. I wish I live a life that was true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And, mm. um, I, what she lists in these, in these regrets, I, I believe is real deep wisdom. And uh, more than we can go into on this hour, but like, 
<laughs> we've all come across this wisdom in death-defying situations. Like if you've ever been in a car wreck or you had a surgery where you had to get put under. I almost drowned surfing one time. I went out on a day that was too big for me and I got pushed way down under the water and almost I thought I was going to die. And I got out of the water, you know, it's like coughing up on the beach. And my, my first response wasn't, man, I need to rethink how I'm going to do this next time and improve my skills. My first thought was like, I need to rethink everything about my life. <laughs> like, right, because, right, right. because what right. I was confronted with was the wisdom that demands an adjustment. And, mm. and midway through my life, I hopefully have another long 40 years to go. But I'm like, I want to take this wisdom that is found there and apply it to now. Um, and, and, and then I found that like throughout most faith traditions, they have some kind of death practice. It's in the Christian tradition, although I don't think it's in the American Christian tradition because that's too partnered with like winning and overcoming. But like there's some very Benedictine and, and uh, uh, St. Ignatius have these practices. It's even in the Psalms. It's like teach me to number my days, like help me to have the wisdom that's found at a funeral. You know, like it's in there. It's in about like your life is going to end and what is this invitation to being here now and i have found that so i have these i i, I propose and i give some uh examples of how to have like a healthy death practice just to simply like a conversation with like it's not always going to be around what's the most important thing what's the deepest thing in you i saint ignatius said that that is actually the voice of god in your life now that takes discernment and that and there's a whole bit about discernment but like that is the thing, that is the place that the spirit inside of you is inviting you to know God, to go on that journey, that path of desire, and to know God. Um, now, we, we project a dream of what that's supposed to look like, and there's that journey of pursuing desires, there's a lot of unknownness on that journey. But God promises to be alongside us during all of that. Never leave us or forsake us. Um, the book is Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life beyond the death of a dream i have now we are now i am no longer lying we are going to go to calls at 877-548-3675 michael in grove city you are live on the air what's your question or your comment for scott good morning although because you did wait now i have about three questions but i'll just ask the original one <laughs> thank uh, you brother i appreciate what that is the death, what is what is the difference between letting go of the dream? I'm actually a chaplain, but I always face this question with people that I visit and or see in the hospital. What's the difference between letting go of the dream and waiting on God because God may be asking you to wait on him and be dependent on him because we always want everything yesterday. So when I don't get it right away, now do I turn and let go of the dream or how do I hang on? And I just want to hear mm, your that. response. I'm anxious to read the book. Um, I love reading. And so that'll, I, I just believe you have probably answered the book, but you know, the whole Bible is about waiting. And, <clears> and yet we're saying we don't want to wait. We're going to let go. So I, I want to hear what so you good. have to say. See, I told you, Scott, I have amazing callers. And Michael, if you'll hold on the line, we do want to give you a copy um, of Scott's book, Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of the Dream. We actually have copies, Scott. I don't know if you have copies yet, but we have copies. And so so we're going to give you a copy. Oh, I got my copies. That, but, no, good. I hope so. I hope so. So, so. so Michael's question, you know, how do we know about this? What's waiting? What's trusting? What's, yeah, give, reflect on his comment. 
Man, uh, that's a great question. And thank you for your work. Um, you're right there and all the d difficult conversations. Um, you know, discernment happens in, uh, I think, mostly in a few ways. There's like three, which is we look at scripture. Um, we spend like prayer, silence and solitude. And then also through the community, like God works through a community of people. And so that's one of the ways we discern how the spirit is working. Um, I had a unique experience where um, I found myself <laughs> at the lowest point I've ever been in my life. And I just had this, it's too long to explain, but I had of this like miraculous in interaction at a Home Depot <laughs> and where uh, somebody was just like, I have a word from God. It was like a friend I knew. He just happened to be there and he gave me this word. And then he was like, I'm not even here for any reason. I just was like driving in the neighborhood and I heard the spirit go, go to Home Depot and wait. And so from that moment, I was like, it was really interesting that the message wasn't, hey, Scott, here's how everything's going to work out. It was, I see where you're at and I understand that it's painful. And what I, as I spent time with that, I said, well, what is the only conversation I can have by being in this moment? If Jesus wanted me somewhere else, I would be. So what is the only conversation I can have by being here? And in that, and when I got really quiet with that and, and, and prayed about it and sat with it, the question that came up was, are, am I still called to be an artist? Not as like even a person just as like, but as a vocation, as like a way to pay for a living and, that was my particular conversation. I think that question has been really helpful for me throughout my life since then. What is the only conversation I can have by being here? What does this unique, like say an ocean, you know, where the ocean meets the land, that conversation between the waves crashing and the rocks there, there's like a, there's like a conversation that forms the landscape. So if we imagine like the where we're at in our lives right now is like a, is like a relationship with these these movements and these things, what is the unique landscape that I find myself in? What is the only conversation I can have by being here? And then I, and then I would take that to my community, to scriptures, to prayer. And that is part of the discernment. Because maybe okay, letting help me, go. Help me. The only conversation I can have. So I'm not, you are an artist and I am clearly not. So the visual depiction <laughs> of the waves in the sand, I think, I think I understand, but give me a little more because you're, you're saying that, because I mean, Mike, Michael's question, it seems like, do I keep pressing through to the vision? Do I just wait? Yeah. I know the Lord wants it to wait. I mean, so yeah. how does, help me understand the connection. That, that when I was, sorry. Yeah. That the waves hitting the land makes a unique uh, design a unique uh, conversation like it mm -hmm. you know if you've ever gone to, I went to Ireland and the rocky landscape is very different than if you go down to northwest Florida and Destin where it's sand and waves you know like there are different parts in the world where the conversation looks different I would say what are what there are different parts in your life where the conversation of your life is different when you're in your 20s it's a very particular one when you're in your 60s it's a very particular one probably I'm, I'm just guessing, but maybe the dream from your twenties isn't going to come to fruition in your sixties. And so how do you hmm. get in touch with like, what is the conversation I can only have by being here, which is, <laughs> I don't know what the conversation in your sixties, I'm only in my forties, you know, somebody would else have to do that for me. But in my forties, it's like, <clears throat> you know, uh, what do I want to do? I have maybe another half of life left. What's most important. How is that going to adjust? Like I have small children. I don't want 
I want to be successful, but I don't want to be a workaholic because when I take my kids to the grocery store, um, like a hundred adults in their sixties and seventies go, Oh, they're so cute at this age. It goes so fast. And you're like, that's really annoying. All I want is a babysitter. But like, after a while, you're like, oh, maybe it goes so fast. Maybe this is a really good time. Maybe I want to pay attention to the time I'm at so I can just ease up on like the success drivenness of my culture and go, I actually want to spend time with my three-year-old because I don't always get this. Do you understand? Like, So that conversation about how I'm going to live my life, what are the particulars of that conversation is going to affect what I say yes to. Um, now, I mean – you know, Michael, he's offering us a great, like, letting go of the dream. And there's so many particulars of that, so we'd have to get into that. But that's a little bit of, I hope that's helpful, at least. It is helpful. It is helpful. I see more clearly what you're saying, and it is helpful. We're going to continue our conversation with Scott Erickson in just a moment. We're talking about his book, uh, Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. And we got one more segment with your calls, 877-548-3675. Continue listening, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back. It's Stetzer Live, our final segment, uh, our call number, number to call, 877-548-3675. We're going to Marvin in Grays Lake, Illinois. Marvin, you are live on the air. What's your? I'll just jump in with your question and your comment. Our time's a little short, so jump right in. Okay, mine is uh, simply a comment. Uh, I yes, sir. Uh, reached my 77th birthday earlier this week, and so I've been thinking a lot about uh, – of my uh the fact my days are numbered and in fact yeah. if you read psalm 90 uh, uh we're allowed was it three score and and 10 or four score well i'm kind of on borrowed time and your discussion <laughs> today and the information uh that you've given me it just uh, suddenly i just came to the to the sense that investing as other people investing in other people is the way that God has for each of us uh, to find oh, yeah. meaning no matter what time of life we're in. Yeah. Marvin, you are awesome. That's I want I- you to hold on the line. And, oh, I think I just cut him off. I didn't mean to cut you off. Marvin, are you still there? Were you saying something else? No, we're still no? here. Okay, good, good, good. Well, Marvin, I, got, I want to give you a... I, <laughs> I want to give you a copy uh, of Scott's book, and uh, it's, again, Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. And so hold on, my producer will jump on with you. Scott, what a great thing to reflect on. I mean, investing in other people is a key part of every step of this journey, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, when you're, yeah, I don't know what it's like to be 77, but um, maybe there's things you're not as active to do and stuff, but being a, a listener and an inquisitor, like there are gobs of young people just going, I wish somebody would give me some wisdom about how to do life and listen and walk alongside me. That's always needed. So that's wonderful. That's awesome. Let's go to Vion. I think, if I'm, please forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, Vion, but Vion in Michigan, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's Zion, like Mount Zion. Um, ah, thank you. I just wanted to say, yeah, I just want to say, um, yeah, I'm going into full-time college ministry and these, these lessons that you're teaching are just so important and I'm so excited to uh, read your book and be able to impart some of this wisdom on college students as they, you know, are dreaming big about their future. And, um, and sometimes it doesn't go, you know, the way they expect. Um, for me, I, 
I was an engineer and ended up uh, quitting engineering to go into ministry. And, um, and so I guess my question for you, Scott, is uh, what do you do when, like I struggle enough with um, self-doubt as it is, what do you do when someone tells you that they don't think you'll be successful in, in the field that you're dreaming about? That's yeah, a great question. Let's have let's go to Scott. But Scott, let me tell him first to stay in the line. We're going to give him a copy of the book. Scott, we got about a minute and a half. Go ahead with uh, with your answer. Yeah, that's man. That's a great question. Thank you for bringing that real vulnerable and true question. I think the answer is like I probably can't be successful in the image that you think I need to be. Like they they have some kind of idea of what it's supposed to be, and it's their own kind of. I guess if you're going to be successful in this thing, it has to look like that. There is a myriad of ways of being an adult in a world. There is a myriad of ways of being in a certain kind of vocation. To be only one type of preacher would be a letdown. To be one type of, uh, you know, creator, one type of minister, one type of teacher. Do we all? Do we need all of our teachers to be the same? No, we want all of our teachers to be themselves, to be their truest self with their particularities, and that's what makes them unique teachers. So, I would say the whatever version of whatever version of perfection that's not you, you could just go, you're right. I can't live up to that. Nobody can, yeah. but I can live up to the invitation. I can say yes to the unique ways I'm asked to participate in where I'm headed. And that, and that's how you are a contribution. That is your unique contribution. And I think that's great. Love that. Uh, 30 seconds. If you wouldn't just give me 30 seconds more on say yes, discover the surprising life beyond the death of the dream. What do you hope people will get from reading the book? I, I say this at the very end, which is like, look, I'm not pitching you a book that's like, get everything you want in 30 days or less. That's, that's not how life works. I, I, but I do think, I really believe from my own experience and my belief in a loving God that's with us, that like you are being offered a unique life to live. Like you're here just by listening to me, you're already here. So what does being here mean and how does the giver of here and the giver of you want to meet you in the here? And that's what I want you to say yes to. I just want you to say yes to the miracle of your life. That's unforeseen and unexpected, but I think there's something good for you. Yeah, there you go. That's what I want. I like it, Scott. Thank you. Scott Erickson's been my guest. Uh, the book is Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of the Dream. He's got other resources uh, linked there at the uh, show notes at edstetzerlive.com. As always, if you want to listen to this as a podcast, uh, you're not maybe listening every Saturday at this time, you can uh, sign up for the podcast, listen to whatever you want, along with all the other Moody Radio shows that are out there as well, helping and encouraging. Um, let me thank my guest, Scott, for joining me today. Also, our team behind the scenes here at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Courtney Young, Eric Tidwell on the phones. Next week, I'll be with Dan White Jr. to talk about how to bring healing and Christ's love in a broken and polarized world. We're actually going to do that live from Puerto Rico. And to hear today's program again, again go to edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app.